Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays. Good morning, George. Good morning. It was Mother's Day yesterday. It was. Yep. Did you do anything? Uh, sure. Is your mom even in town? Mm-hmm. Was she? Well, in the afternoon. I yeah. gotcha. Yeah, we went to a... Well, we tried to eat at a place, a new place, a new new Mexican place. Where? In Medicine Park. Medi- oh, yeah? Yeah. Is it packed? Well, I don't know. I th- I don't, they've got some major logistical problems. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, they got there at 5. They said it'd be 45 minutes. Okay. I don't think we actually got in till 6.45. Okay. And then it took like an hour to get our food. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah, man. It's not good. Yeah. Not, not good at all, man. But what I'm hearing <clears throat> is um, they, uh, they're they having a hard time finding people to work. I can't imagine why, Jay. Can't imagine why, George. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know did why. You, did you see that interview where the where the guy asked, uh, asked the president, do you think that these increased incentives um, uh, for unemployment will keep people from working? And, and he said no. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> you guys are you guys are uh, delusional pull. if you don't think that paying people yeah they extended, not work they extended the unemployment um, <laughs> when they're getting more and when, I don't even know if they have to be looking for it to I keep, don't think you do to keep right now it. Uh-uh. they can pull in like eight hundred fifty dollars a month yeah if you're if you're gonna get paid more on unemployment than you are working in a restaurant why would you work in a restaurant that's exactly like, why that, what's that what's there's there's too much hassle there that's just, exactly it just get paid it's not it's not just that place i've heard i've heard this is going on in a number of other oh yeah there's help wanted signs all over the place yeah, yeah there's work everywhere people don't want to work though they want free stuff yeah there's a reason i mean there's a lot of reasons but i mean one of the reasons that communism and socialism even democratic socialism isn't going to work it's because it doesn't take into account human greed yeah, it, it, does, it doesn't take it doesn't take into account human nature. If if people can get paid and not work, there's people that will get paid and not work. Of course, yeah. And you know the uh, people always say, oh, you know, well, uh, biblical justice. God he provided for the poor, and you should be for you should be for the government supporting the poor too. Mm. But God's way of, pro- of providing for the poor was that they'd have to get up and go get it for themselves, right? Right. Don't glean the don't glean the edges of your fields. Yeah, Ruth. Uh, Ruth had to go out and work. Yeah. Now she was provided for by Boaz. Yeah. Um, Boaz took care of of the poor people that were gleaning in his field. Yes. But she still had to go out and get it. Yeah, because there's dignity to work, and that's not that's not the same as. Driving to the unemployment office. Well, God not only provides for people what they need, he provides for them the dignity of work. Right. Because work is a good thing. Right. Yeah, it's not, it's a, not, pro- it's, it's it's not, not a product not, of the fall. Not a product of the fall. It's a good thing. It's satisfying to work. Um, and then, so th- this right. is not the same. <clears throat> right. And so what we're seeing today is what happens. Yeah. I was, I was out of work for a little while. Um, right before Julie and I got married, I was out of work. And then uh, a few years later, I got laid off, and um, it's it, it it takes a toll on you to just be sitting at the house, um, because you've got your resume out there, and there's you're just waiting. Mm-hmm. You know? it, it takes a toll on you. You worked at all kinds of places, though. Huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah, were at Kmart for a while. No, no, never at Kmart. 
Kmart? No, never at Kmart. Oh, Target? I worked at Target. Okay. There's a wide difference between you, Target and Kmart, my you're friend. You're trying to say you're too good for Kmart? I'm too good for Kmart. <laughs> no, <laughs> I worked at Walmart. I'd, I've I've worked at the... Uh, <laughs> I worked I worked overnights at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Like there's there is a um there's only there's a noticeable shift um in the people that come into Walmart at about eleven o'clock okay. at night. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden people are coming in in their PJs and yeah. <laughs> they're disheveled. Yeah. And I worked at Hastings down yeah. over there and uh it's mm-hmm. not there anymore in Lawton in the middle of Lawton. Yeah. I used to close the store at night. Oh, I'm sure. What, buddy? <laughs> Clo- yeah. Closing down a video store in Lawton. Oh yeah. On Friday night, Saturday night. Yeah. It's interesting. Right. <laughs> That's back when people had to come in and get VHS tapes and okay. remember those. Oh yeah. I worked at Blockbuster for yeah. a while. Yeah. Do you even remember what a Blockbuster is, Jay? I do. Okay. <laughs> Every Friday Some night. Some people thing. may not even know what a Blockbuster is. Yeah. So working. Right. Yeah. That I, that was interesting. They had issues, but a lot of them were too because they're new and then they can't find people to work. I'm like, what? Can't find people to work. It's crazy. But yeah, there's no uh, there's no shortage in uh, places to work right now. Nope. You just have to be willing to work. Some people just don't want to do things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they they kind of think they're. Some people think, well, I'm above waiting tables, and you know, I got a college degree. I don't need to be waiting tables. <laughs> Yeah, I um I I've I've experienced that myself. I've I've had to repent of it because I I was working at a church um full time. I graduated from seminary, got my master's degree, came back and the church told me that they couldn't pay me anymore because we were losing members mm. because there was a there was a church split over Calvinism. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to Walmart. And uh yeah, I had had some bitterness over that, and I had to I had to repent of that because it, I did have that attitude of I have my master's degree. What am I doing stocking shelves at Walmart mm. at two o'clock in the morning? Um, God humbles you. Yeah, <laughs> God has a way of humbling proud hearts. And uh, goodness, we live in we live in America. We live in a capitalistic society where you don't have to stay at one position like work your way up yeah right um there's that's the beauty of um capitalism right you don't have to stay in one you don't have to stay that that's the thing like like flipping burgers at mcdonald's was never intended to be like a career right it's supposed to be an entry-level position for like high school students work your way up. Try to work your way up. Yeah, because, be driven because man, you're though. not you're not gonna you're not gonna get paid. You've got enough to, to raise a family on <clears throat> flipping burgers. It was never intended to be that. Right. Well, you've got to be driven though. You can't just be like yeah. satisfied. Right. I I uh, had a job job and I love the job. I was a plumber, but I started out as a ditch digger, mm-hmm. jumping on a shovel. Yeah. Jump on a shovel eight hours a day, digging ditches while the plumber would put the pipe in and plumb, and uh, you know. You can do one of two things. You can say, "Oh, I'm I'm okay making eight dollars an hour to jump on a shovel all day," or you mm-hmm. can say, "I'm gonna learn how to plumb." Right. And then you learn how to plumb, and then surprise, guess what? Yeah. Uh, by magic, your salary gets pay, doubled. Pay bump. <laughs> right. A little pay bump. Yeah. Yeah. I started I started out at Target, stocking shelves overnight, and a supervisor position opened up, and I applied for it and got it. 
you get a pay raise, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then <clears throat> whenever I was a licensed plumber, I made I made more money than I would have using my degree. Uh, I have a degree in teaching. Yeah. And I licensed plumber make way more money. Mm. Yeah, so it's out there. You just got to go get it. Yeah. Be willing to work, get after it. So, well, it is text driven. That was uh, that was that was all for free, right? <laughs> that's just free. That's just free. Uh, they call it free chicken in the army. They used to. Yeah. That's free chicken, and uh, just a little wisdom for you. You're willing to work, you can make it happen. All right, text driven Tuesday, Second Peter chapter three. Yep, we're getting close to the end. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, getting close. Mm-hmm. So we. Um, I guess I'll have you read. Do you want to read the whole thing that you read in church, or do you want to just read one to ten? That's that is, that is what, what I read. Okay, I didn't think. I thought you might have read toward the end of the chapter. No, one one to ten. Okay. So you're well, really, let's really uh, paying attention there, Jay. Well, you know, Appreciate as I'm getting s- settled, I got a family there. Uh huh. You know, but once I get locked in, I'm in. I gotcha. So Second Peter, yeah, three. And I guess let's go one to ten. Okay, and then we'll we'll jump right in. Okay. All right. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Okay. <clears throat> so the, the, the main idea of the, the, this passage, 1 to 10, I believe, is to remember that Christ is coming back. Right. That there, and it is coming. There's a day of judgment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we are to be remembering that and looking forward to it. Your yeah. opening illustration was of like of kids looking forward to Christmas. <laughs> right. And uh, everyone can remember that when they're a kid, mm-hmm. you know how how much anticipation there was leading up to it. There's right. so much, and then uh, we kind of lose that a little bit as we get older. You do, yeah. But you, it's I, I think the I think the reason why we lose it is because the days seem to speed up. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're a kid, it seems like Christmas is never going to get here. But when you're a, an adult. You you get to Christmas, and you're like, wasn't Christmas like a month ago? <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> so I, I think that kind of that that uh, dare I say magic <laughs> of Christmas <laughs> it uh, it kind of it kind of dulls because it it just comes around so <laughs> so quickly. Yeah, and for kids, it doesn't. 
Yeah, it's interesting, huh? Time, how yeah. time, something with the human mind and the way we perceive time. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then you you know you pose a question that we probably there's a greater day than Christmas coming, like a a hundred trillion times better day. That's mm-hmm. the, in the, when Christ returns. Right. And and you said, but you probably haven't even thought about it this week. Yeah. Was I being too harsh? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, how often do we? <clears throat> We really intentionally think about the coming of Christ, like we know we know it, right? Like we're we're not suddenly um, saying this is not a true doctrine, but we don't really think about it. Yeah, right? yeah, and there are, I guess, uh, ramifications for not having mm-hmm. that in our mind, right? Right, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, negative, but there could be positive right. for keeping it in our and mind. we'll we'll so there's there's I think there's three reasons why we need to remember in this chapter, but mm-hmm. we only looked at the first two yeah. um, on Sunday. We'll look at the next one next week, next next Sunday. Okay, yeah, and <clears throat> and so that if we don't, um, and and you'll help us keep it into the context of it, it, it can actually it affect it can affect our life, the mm-hmm. way we live our life, right. our behavior, even. Yeah. By by keeping this out of our mind, right? When we should be remembering it. So mm-hmm. you had two two reasons why to yeah. uh, this past Sunday. Two reasons why we need to always be remembering uh, that Christ is returning and that and with Him the day of judgment. And the first one you have in here is because there are people who are deliberately trying to not remember it or forget. Mm-hmm. Right. Explain that. And that's the false teachers. Yeah, that fits right? in with the that, context. That's the so he's he's just kind of um hinted at it throughout the letter. Mm-hmm. Like beginning in uh verse sixteen of chapter one, where where we were not following cleverly devised myths when we 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 told you about the coming, the power yeah. and coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. So there's there's the second coming is is hinted at there. Um but he doesn't just Start talking explicitly about the false teachers. There, um, he he describes the false teachers in chapter two first, and now in chapter three he's going to explicitly go after what they're denying. Okay, and these false teachers are denying the second coming. They're denying the the second coming of Christ. They're denying future judgment. Um, I think by implication, they're they're denying the resurrection. Yeah. Like there's no there's no future life. There's um, there's there's nothing after you die, and so live however you want. Yeah, I, I think that's what is going on here. And so he's he's going to talk about them. They they are deliberately overlooking the fact that um, there is going to come a day of judgment, mm-hmm. and uh, this affects everything. This affects everything. Um, they they not only have false doctrine, but their false doctrine is going to lead them into living lives that are. Um, just, just free of any kind of um, restraints that yeah. future judgment would would put on someone. Yeah. Yeah. So we're called to remember, and then he says, verse three, because or knowing, mm-hmm. like that's the implication mm-hmm. is here, well, here's why you need to remember because there's scoffers coming in the last days with scoffing yeah. and following their own sinful desires, and they'll say, "Where is the promise of his coming?" Yeah. And think, you know, and their argument is. Things have been going on the same, <laughs> right, since the beginning, like yeah. since the fathers fell asleep, 
uh, things are just continuing on every day like they always have. And right. where's this coming? Just day in, day out. Yeah. Right. It's it's a straightforward argument. Mm-hmm. Like, how how can you say that there's going to be any kind of cataclysm that that ends the world? We've been living for thousands and thousands of years. <clears throat> Everything is just going about the same. Yeah, we have no reason to believe that it won't continue to be the same. For yeah, that may not be clear for the <laughs> person that thousands. just tuned in, but the coming of of Christ brings a cataclysmic event, right? World judgment, mm. and what they're denying is that God will come and bring a cataclysm upon the earth right. and judge everyone. An actual, final, yeah. complete judgment upon the wicked. And they'll say, well, you know, things are, you've been saying this is going to happen for mm-hmm. who knows how long. Well, like, how, how long now? So that, How long has it been, 50 years? What's interesting is that they, Peter would have died no, no later than 68 AD. Mm-hmm. That's when Nero dies. And he, he dies as a, a martyr under the emperor Nero. Okay. Um, and so this this had to have been written before sixty eight. Okay. All right. So um, like thirty years. And Christ died between thirty and thirty three. I'd I'd probably lean towards thirty three. Uh, that's that's thirty five years, like at the most. And you've got these people saying, "How long are we expected to wait?" Well, you can only imagine how how much worse it is two thousand years later, right? right. There's, there's going to be people that that mock Christianity and say, "Where, where is he? Where is he?" Yeah. Um, Bertrand Russell. You familiar with Bertrand mm-hmm. Russell, the yeah, the yeah. atheist philosopher? Yeah. He did. Um, did he, he do those those uh, universe shows back a long time ago? I don't think so. That's not him. I think he's older than that. He is. I don't know how old Bertrand. I don't know when Bertrand Russell was. Okay. Early nineteen hundreds, I think. Um, anyway, he he looks at um, the Olivet Discourse, and Jesus says, "This generation won't pass away before all these things take place." Mm-hmm. And he applies it to the second coming, and he says, "Jesus was a false prophet." Right. Yeah. Like he takes he takes that verse seriously. This generation will not pass away before these things happen. Um, and he says, "Look, J- Jesus didn't come. Mm-hmm. The the apostles were expecting him to come." within their their time their, right. their lifetime and he didn't so jesus is a false prophet right uh, now we're not going to go into matthew 24 and explain all of that but jesus was talking about the destruction of the temple right? yeah rc sproul wrote a whole book on that it's called uh, the end times according to jesus the last days last days, last days yeah. according you to can jesus. check that out uh-huh. right and you can see it so this he's pretty much talking about two things in that chapter and I think it's pretty clear, right? You just tell tell people that. He's talking about what happens at 80, 70. Uh, right. And then... The, these things, these the destruction, things. The, the, the events leading up to and culminating in the Romans um, sacking Jerusalem and burning the temple to the right. ground at 80, 70. Mm-hmm. That happens within a generation. Yes. Um, it happens in 70 AD. That's, that's 40 years. That's within right. a generation. But there's a shift also that... That's when this will happen. It will happen before this generation passes away. But there's another day coming that no one knows the day or the hour. Right. And that's that's the second coming. That's the final that's coming the, of Christ. That's the next part of his mm-hmm. what he talks about in that chapter. Right. So you have to understand <clears throat> the division. I I was at a this was pretty recently after I had become a Christian. Prior to being a Christian, I just like I think I've just absorbed uh Christian I had a lot of Christian theology. Mm-hmm. But that's just from absorbing it from being around the church right. all the time. But after I became a Christian, I started to read the Bible yeah. like a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it was Tim LaHaye. He came to this church. <laughs> one, of the, one of the writers of the Left Behind books, okay. uh-huh. yeah. and he was, it, and we were looking at that passage. He was preaching on that passage, yeah. all of that discourse, and right. he went into some great length about how generation does not mean generation. Yeah. And I was he probably, just he probably there. argued that that it meant race, right? It means a race, and I'm the, just sitting the there ra- looking the at Ju- it. The Jewish race will not pass away before these things happen, right? Like, yeah. No one's <laughs> the, the disciples aren't asking that question. <laughs> yeah, I was not trained in a lot of Bible interpretation, yeah. like any, uh-huh. but I could see clearly that he's creating some type of hermeneutical gymnastics. Oh, yeah, he's got to do something to get around it. Right. Um, and I was like, it, and it never set well with me. Yeah, some people all. some people try to make this generation mean this race, even though they're, they're two different words. They're similar words, but they're... they're they're different words. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to deal with the fact that the, the term this generation is used several times in, in the Gospel of Matthew, mm-hmm. and it always means the people that Jesus is talking to. Mm-hmm. Some people like to push it into the future, and they say, when these things happen, this generation won't pass away. And so the, the clock usually starts with uh, the, the formation of the, of the state of Israel right. in, what, 40, uh, 47, 48? 48. 48. Um, and so this generation won't pass away. Well, you're going to have to do something with that because pretty quick that, that generations they're all that generations away. about to pass away. Um, yeah, so I think the easiest, like the simplest interpretation, is the best. Mm-hmm. Jesus is talking to people <laughs> living at a particular time. He says, "This generation, you guys won't die before this happens." Right, and it happens exactly like he says. Yeah. But the uh, second that was a, that was another little free, it's a little free, little free, one. free one. They get free stuff on this podcast. <laughs> but the second part, his return, right, and final judgment right. hasn't taken it hasn't place. taken place. No yet. one knows this time, right? And and so, but people are today. They still they do the same thing. They scoffing and mocking mm-hmm. and saying, you know, and things are never going to change. I imagine right. that's kind of what kind of like what was going on in the days of Noah. Yeah, when he's like, hey, right. it's a. Uh, God's going to judge the earth. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's right. Flood. Like, what are you talking about? Does it even even rain? What are yeah. you talking about? I don't even know if it rained back then. It's never even flooded anything in any time, Noah. What are you talking about? Right. What? Like, we've never even seen a flood. The days have just been going on. Uh-huh. It's the same thing that today. People right. People say the same thing yeah. today. It's been, and it's been thousands of years for them, too, before the flood. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, things, are, things are always going to be exactly the way that they've always been. Yeah. But first five tells us they overlook this fact, what, <laughs> right. we, what we just brought up, that, that God had, yeah. God's done this before. They overlook that um, the earth has not always existed. Mm-hmm. Like There was a time when it was chaos. It was just a, a lump of water, and God formed it and made order out of it and uh, out of water. And by water, he destroyed the ancient world through the flood. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, God, what I, God is storing up the earth for future judgment. You know what I think is very interesting? For the longest time, scientists have been saying there's not enough water on planet Earth to flood the whole earth. For the longest time, they've been saying that. Yeah. But do you know what they've started to change their tune, George? Have they? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, recently, they've discovered there is more water under the earth than all of the water on the earth, like three times as much. Really? Yeah. That there's literally enough water in the earth mm. to cover every mountain 
top <laughs> on the earth. What do you know? And what do you know, George? <laughs> what do you know? Uh, what is that old saying that the scientists, they spend years and decades climbing up a mountain when they finally get to the peak, the theologian's been sitting there for years? Yeah. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that in the flood narrative, God... He he causes water to burst forth from the deeps of the earth. Right. We have to understand that this was a cataclysm. Yeah. Like this is we've we've experienced pouring <laughs> rain, like just this burst of of a downpour of rain. That's only part of the story, because the text tells us that water burst up from out of the the earth out of the earth. So we're talking about geysers <laughs> shooting up. Think of it like a reverse waterfall, right? Just water just breaking forth out of the earth. You can imagine. You could imagine it probably being like you know old faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got not just not just water, but maybe even like steaming water, like boiling water bursting up and and just yeah. just covering the yeah, earth. It's going everywhere. It's all yeah. over. What's What's interesting about that is um, if the if the flood narrative was just made up, mm-hmm. like. Even in all of recorded human history, we've never seen a flood caused by water bursting out of the earth. Right. Ever. Mm-hmm. It's always rain. Yeah. It would. They, that's what the text would say. Right. It rained on the earth so much <clears throat> that it flooded. Right. But the text says water burst up out of the earth. Yeah. I mean, this is a cataclysm. This would have. This would have um, reshaped the topography of the land. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe that's why uh, scientists they say, well, we think a cataclysm caused uh, plate tectonics, and that's why there are fossils on top of uh, Mount Everest. Right. <laughs> maybe that's because there was an absolute cataclysm on this Earth, right. and it changed the topography of all of the Earth. Right. Like instead of um, instead of you know Grand Canyon being formed by a little bit of water over millions of years, maybe it was formed by a whole lot of water. In 40 days. Right. Yeah. And if you don't think that's possible, look at any place that there's ever been a flood and right. see how in a, in a matter of just look, minutes. Just look at the tsunami that hit Japan, yeah. what, about 10 years ago. Yeah. And that was, that was catastrophic. <clears throat> yeah, it'll, car- it'll carve mm-hmm. deep cuts through the earth. Right. Yeah. All right. They We're forget discuss- that. They forget <laughs> they that. They forget though, it. Yeah, they forget it. Yeah. Nah, God never judged. He's things have been going on forever, and uh-huh. he's saying they forgot that God has already judged the earth one time. Right. And I think because we could ask how how are they forgetting this? Is the story of Noah just not being told anymore? Have they just not heard the story? Has it just been a very mm-hmm. long time? And I think what's going on is is it's the opposite of remembering. Yep. So when when Peter tells the the Christians you need to remember, I don't think it's it's simply a mental assent. Right, it's act upon what what you're what you know. Right, and I think forgetting is the opposite of that. So it's not just a mental exercise. They're not just forgetting, like I forgot my keys, yeah, or I forgot where my phone was. They're, he says, deliberately. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're willfully forgetting. Yeah, I like the illustration that you gave because it fits it fits with what people do, and I think it fits even with the context of the behavior of people who want to forget. Mm-hmm. Um. 
you said that you learned to make paper airplanes, uh, right? <laughs> and the Scouts, uh, Cub Scouts, Cub yeah, Scouts. second grade. Yep. And then uh, you were in class one day, and the teacher went out of class, and mm-hmm. everybody can identify with that. Uh-huh. So you start in my mind, you're just making paper. Oh man, I was making, I was, <laughs> I was making so many of them, and you're throwing them all over the, <laughs> you're throwing them all over the room. Yeah. And uh, you said it's like you forgot uh-huh. that the teacher could come back <laughs> right. at any moment and catch you, <laughs> right? And uh, and she did. Oh yeah. I I don't remember what the punishment was, but I I vividly remember the look on her face when she walked into the room yeah. and saw and saw me throwing paper airplanes all over the room. Yeah, she was not happy. But that's what we do. Like I I didn't for, I didn't mentally forget that there was a teacher and she was going to come back into the room. I deliberately pushed it out of my mind so that I could throw pa- throw paper airplanes around yeah, the room. That's what that's what these false teachers are doing because it says that they're scoffing. And they're following their own sinful desires. Yeah, like they're deliberately forgetting because the 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 fact of the second coming that's an obstacle to them um, enjoying themselves. Right. Like you can't you can't have a a libertine sex life um, if you're always thinking Jesus is going to come and judge me for this. Right. Um, but that's what people do, even Christians. Right. I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have this in my notes that it, like we talked about uh on friday like it popped into my mind like every time a guy opens up his laptop fires up his laptop and looks at pornography he is deliberately forgetting christ is coming mm-hmm. and so he pushes it out of his mind so that he can engage in his illicit activities that's right um and, and that's what we do in all kinds of of different ways is we we deliberately forget that christ is coming and so we we act a certain way or we, we, um, you know, we, uh, talk a certain way. Um, and, uh, we, we need to remember. We're suppressing the truth and mm-hmm. unrighteousness. Right. Yeah. Uh, not to the degree of what's going on in Romans one, if we're a believer, but we still right. can do that to, to do what we want. We, yeah, can we still, we simply forget we're, we're yeah. just like Israel in the old Testament. We talked about this when we looked at, at that passage in, in chapter one, at the end of chapter one, that just like Israel, they they knew the law, they they knew the stories of the Exodus and the wilderness wanderings and the conquest and all the all the the miracles that God performed for them, all the, the mighty ways that He saved them. But time goes on, and they forget. Yeah, they forget. It's um, you know, it's it's like uh, it's like when when something settles at the bottom of like the water, you got to you got to stir it back up. So that it comes back to the surface, mm. um, we we need to be stirred up because we we go thirty five years, nothing has happened, right? And uh, we we just have a tendency to to forget, and we need to constantly be reminded. We need to constantly be stirred up because we're we're in a culture that wants to forget, and uh, Christians can fall into that that right. mindset. Yeah. And uh, the way that we remember is is what he says, remember the 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 predictions of the holy prophets and the the command of Christ through your apostles, through, mm-hmm. through the scriptures, through the Bible. Um, go back to the Bible, remember what scriptures say and remember. Remember, don't don't forget there's there's people that want to deliberately forget and we have to be those who remember. Yeah, and so then verse 7, he says, but by the same word, the heavens and the earth 
that now exists are being stored up for fire, being mm. kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So, destroyed by water before, this time destroyed by fire. Right. And maybe a little side side note, what I find to be interesting about this, so I, 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 what I believe will happen on this day is all of the material world that exists, including this earth, uh, all of the elements, everything will be completely eradicated. Okay. But in the same instance, a new heaven and a new earth come forth yeah yeah there's i mean we i could have done this sidebar but it it wouldn't have fit into the sermon at all it would have completely taken us out but there's there's two different understandings Mm -hmm. that um god is going to create something new Mm -hmm. so this earth is going to be wiped out and a new one is going to replace it or god is simply going to use i guess the bare the bare the crust material <laughs> after he burns it up <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna purify it with with, with fire. fire um I, I would i would tend to agree with you it, it seems like this is just complete annihilation of everything through fire when you take it with what is revealed in revelation yeah um then i think that that's what you see yeah. i've heard i have heard some post people say post mill people say that no this this earth right here is going to be just renewed this earth this this created order yeah. and they'll say they'll reference um, from the end of revelation behold i am making all things new mm. you ever heard that uh-huh. yeah so i just don't think that it fits as well yeah i mean this is just a minor mm-hmm. I, I don't think that this it's a minor. I don't is, think this is even worthy of a debate. <laughs> it's a minor thing. It's a minor thing, uh, but the the point is that there's nothing that's going to be um, left untouched right. by this fire, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll see that in verse ten. Except for those that are in Christians, Christ. right? Yeah, those that are in Christ that are kept safe in Him, right? The Ark of our salvation, George. Well, well, well. Hey, that's a nice little <laughs> yeah insert there. Yeah. <laughs> And so we pass through the judgment. Yeah, uh, I mean, we could talk about you know a rapture right there. Christ comes, believers are caught up in the air, fires of judgment destroy everything, and we, when Christ and His people touch down, it's a new earth. Yeah, instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. new heaven and new earth. Right, perfection. Yeah. Perfection. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> So to deny that this is going to take place could lead could could lead to all kinds of um, of ways of living. Yeah, and the, one of the reasons they do it is because they say, "Look, it's taking forever." Yeah, right. It's taking forever. Here we are. It's still going on. Right. Um, verse eight helps us out with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we're we're to remember because there are people who want to forget, and we, mm-hmm. we can easily. Um, fall into that trap yeah um but we also need to remember so that we'll use our time wisely and that's your second point that's, yeah your um, second point remember so that we'll use our time wisely because two thousand years is a long time mm-hmm. like we don't have to we don't have to um try to say you know it's been almost two thousand years but that's not a big deal <laughs> like it is a long time in human in a human's perspective Two thousand years is a long time from a human's perspective, but what verse eight tells us is that God's perspective on time is not the same as ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, don't overlook. That's the same word that I think 
maybe should be translated as forget. Don't forget this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's, I think he's uh, alluding to Psalm 90 verse four, where um, we're told that, uh, maybe I should quote it instead of trying to remember it off the top of my head, that um, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. Mm-hmm. So um, God is eternal. He is outside of time. Oh, try to fathom that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, 2,000 years is a long time. Right. But for God, um, it would be not... it would be like a it'd be like a day. <laughs> yeah, when you start to think about God and his how he his relationship with time, right? He's already where we're going, which is crazy to think about. Explain that to us, Jay. <laughs> yeah, That's give, what I, give us a give us an illustr- give us an example, an illustration of God's timelessness. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't. There are some things that can't be illustrated. But I told I told our uh, systematic theology class. I said, you know what's crazy to think about is God was present at my birth right now in my life and at my death at the same time. <laughs> I think it was C.S. Lewis that he used the the illustration of um, three dots on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and a line. So you've got, you've got this line, point A, point B, point C. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you were you know, an ant, you, you'd see one point on that paper. Yeah. But as God, he sees, like if you're if you're human, you you see all of it at the same time, right? And that's that's God. That's God, right? Yeah. He sees the he sees the whole picture at at, at one time. one at one glance, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's hard for us to to fathom. This is how we know God doesn't look in the future and learn anything, right? He can't, <laughs> right? There's nothing to learn yeah. for him, right? So, and it only exists because he decreed it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing for him to look forward to see because right. he's already where we're going. Right. Yeah, it's wild to think about. These are thoughts. Sure. These are thoughts that you're supposed to have at you know ten o'clock at night when you're trying to go to sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Your mind just spins and spins. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so so the the point is, don't be don't be impatient. Don't be frustrated with waiting. Mm-hmm. Because God's God's timing is different than ours. His um, His relationship to time is not the same as ours. Yeah. So wait patiently. And I think that we have indications that um, you know a lot of people argue. Well, the, the the disciples, the apostles, they were expecting Jesus to come in their lifetime. Right. And it's uh, it's it's only as they got older and they they started to have doubts that he was going to come that they started to right in a way that seemed to indicate a long time. Mm-hmm. You ever heard this before? Yeah. But I, th- I think if you look back to Jesus' own teachings, he's already indicating that there's going to be a a, right. a, a gap. Uh-huh. So you're going to have to wait. And so Matthew 25, we saw the parable of the ten virgins. Mm-hmm. The, the bridegroom was delayed. Yeah. Um, the parable of the, of the talents. You have the three servants. And after a long time, long time, he comes back. So I think that already Jesus was indicating to the apostles that there's going to be a, a long time period. Um, and so Peter is encouraging the the Christians in this. He, mm-hmm. He's not trying to he's not trying to uh, to revise um, the apostolic understanding of the second coming. I, I think he's just trying to encourage them with the fact that 
Now, there is there is going to be a long time to wait. But with God, a thousand years is like one day, and one day is a thousand years. So be patient. Right. Be patient and trust in God. Trust in his timing. Yeah. And uh, this idea of patience is a very good thing, as we see in verse 9. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why is it that God is so patient? Why is he delaying so long? That's... Uh, it's so people will be saved. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got this gotcha verse here. <laughs> Brett, verse yeah. nine. Um, yeah. Have you had anyone throw this verse out at you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, every time. Yeah. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowless, slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so they say, look, there it is. Right. You know, that's uh, God, that's, he's wishing that none should perish mm-hmm. and that all should reach repentance. So you, what you believe uh, about election and predestination and all these things, that can't be true because here's verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3. Right. That's what, this, that's what they say. Yeah. Um, and as, uh, as our producer was asking me earlier it also it also ties into limited atonement right right definite atonement um but i i hit more on election than limited atonement because we talked about that in chapter two mm-hmm. they were denying the master who bought them mm-hmm. um but I, I think that the i think that you see this there's a tension here mm-hmm. so we believe that god um predestines he elects who will be saved but here we've got verse nine it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so, how do we square this? How do we how do we deal with um, these two facts? Right. Because we're not going to give up on election, mm-hmm. um, because there's just <laughs> passage after passage passage that are just <laughs> explicit. No one can come to Christ unless he's drawn by the Father. Right. Yeah. Um, and and God does not draw everyone. Mm-hmm. Because those who are drawn, Christ come. will raise up on the last day. They will come. Those drawn come. Those mm-hmm. who come are raised up on the last day. Right. Um, and so we we can't get rid of election. So we have to figure out what does verse nine mean. Yeah. Um, and the I gave the I think the two big ways to understand it. Um, there there could be more if you know more. Um, you could let me know. If there's- there's a third. There's a third option. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, there is a third option. I'll, well, there's but a, th- it, but it doesn't. It has to do with open theism. So oh, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, it, yeah, it's not. It doesn't biblical. work at all. Right. right. Um, so the first way we could understand this is that um, it, it says that God is being patient towards you, and uh, if you look at like chapter one, verse two, uh, just right here in verse one of of chapter three, this is the second letter I'm writing to you. So we could understand this as God is being patient towards the church. Peter's mm-hmm. writing to particular people. He's writing to Christians, um, and he's telling them God's being patient towards the elect so that they won't perish. And that's true. Right. I mean, we, that, all of that is true. Uh, but I think there's more to it, and I think that we can do more justice to it than just say, look, he's, he's just writing a letter to Christians. This wasn't a letter that was circulated you know, around the Roman Empire that unbelievers are reading this. Um, I think that um, we're seeing we're we're catching a glimpse of God's heart, mm-hmm. like His disposition towards sinners. Right. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this. Uh-huh. Um, 
that uh, we don't have to dance around this idea that God's general disposition towards the world is that of love. Mm-hmm. John three sixteen. Um, how many sermons did you preach on John three sixteen, Jay? A couple, I think. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was. I thought it was like three or four. <laughs> no, it might have been. I don't know. It's, the, it's been a long time. It has ago, been a long friend. time. Yeah. Uh, God so loved the world. Yeah. And um, you interpreted that the world means the world, right? Right. Right. Um, I know that there's people that try to do gymnastics around it. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's it's only the elect. He's only talking about the elect. Um, but I I think you're right that God loves the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezekiel chapter 18. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Right. Um, I don't think we have to do gymnastics around that. I don't I don't think that we have to try to um, squeeze this verse into um, Calvinism. As right. if as if it's at odds with it, right? Um, I think that God's general disposition towards the world is that He's being patient so that the world will repent, yeah, and be, and be saved because mm-hmm. He loves the world, mm-hmm. right? That's what He reveals about Himself to us, right? Um, it's important to uh, to think about this because the the counter that is presented sometimes by some in the Reformed and the Calvinistic world is that. Um, God's natural disposition toward the sinner is hatred. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree with these passages in the Psalms. There are passages that said God God feels indignation every day toward the sinner. Uh-huh. Uh, he hates the sinner, right? Right, because he's holy. It's a it's a natural outworking of his justness. Um, but what we have to remember is this. This out this uh, is the flip side of God's nature of love. Is what it is. Because first and foremost, God before He lo- God loves anyone else, He loves His own holiness and His own purity. Right. So any affront to that manifests as judgment uh, and right justice, mm-hmm. right justice and hatred toward. It's in a it's in a it's a sin against Him. Right. But God's natural disposition in His being. In his uh, who he is is that of love, right? And so when God creates, uh, his natural disposition is that of love toward all things. Yeah. Um, and people say, well, God, you can't love someone and hate someone at the same time. Well, I can't because I'm a human, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. And I should not think of God like I think God is not a human, right? Um, I just need to take him at his word at what he says. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important that we understand that when. God sent Jesus into the world, we take him at his word. He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. Yeah. That's what he says. In John three sixteen through 19, it's all in there. Uh, that this is the love of God. This is how the love of God is demonstrated, mm-hmm. that he would send his only son, whom he loves, the best of, of, of who he is. He didn't send an angel. He sent the very best that he loves with all his heart. Right. To the world that whoever would believe in him would be saved and not perish. Yeah. And I don't think there's a like a a secret there. Like I think that's that reveals God's intention. Mm-hmm. That's what he that's what he would love to see happen. He right. would love to see everyone repent. Yeah. And he didn't send Jesus to condemn. Yeah. But the world is condemned already 
because they won't believe. Right. <laughs> they love darkness rather than light. Right. So now this gets into our natural disposition. Right. And that's the problem. Right. Our natural disposition is not to believe, mm-hmm. not to love God. Yeah. To love everything else, to love darkness rather than light. Um, and the problem is not uh, that. The problem is, is that we won't believe. Right. There's nothing. There's no one else. And you brought it out in, in your sermon. There's nothing preventing you from yeah, repenting I, I, and coming to God. I think that, except for yourself. Right. I think that maybe more than anything else is the major misunderstanding about Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Is that people hear us say? The invitation is open to everyone. Come, right, right. Um, but people won't come, right. And I think non-Calvinists they they hear that and they say, "Well, how is this a genuine offer? How is?" And, and some of the more extreme ones will say, how, "Your God sounds like the devil mm-hmm. saying come, but he's keeping them from coming." He's tell he's telling them to do something they can't do, right. Um, and I think they hear that as if there's something outside of the sinner that's keeping them from coming. Right. So God is saying, come, while at the same time he's, he's holding them back so that they won't come. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not the Reformed understanding. That's not the scriptural understanding at all. The only thing that keeps a sinner from coming to Christ <clears throat> is the sinner. Like, there's nothing outside the sinner that's keeping them from believing in Christ. It's their own unbelief that's keeping them from coming to Christ. Right. So God... God can say, come. And it is a genuine offer. Yeah, it is. Come, come. There, there's nothing holding you back. Come. The, the, the water is free. Come and take it. Um, but the sinner, in his unbelief, even in the, even in the, um, even hearing that invitation, he'll say, nah, I'm not going to come. Yeah. And, and there's no one, or, and there's nothing to blame except the sinner himself. Yeah, except for your own will. You're not willing to come. Right. God's not willing that any should perish. You're not willing to come. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. the only thing keeping you is your own will. God's, God's mercy, his compassion, his grace towards sinners is, is far more than the sinner's willingness to come. Yeah, or they'll say something like this. They'll say, you're God, like you believe in Calvinism. It's like God commanding you to fly. Yeah. He's telling you to do something you can't do because right. we're saying you can't come to God. Uh-huh. Unless he changes your heart, right. right? Unless he grants repentance and regeneration. They say, look, that's like God commanding you to fly. Right. God's telling you to do something you can't do. And the reason that doesn't work, and uh, you can check this out in a book called the, the Gospel of Worthy of All Acceptation by Andrew Fuller. He says, God has given people everything that they need to believe. Right. Right. People believe all the time in things. We do exercise faith in all things and different things all the time. He says, You have a mind, right? You have a heart, you have a will, right? You have ears to hear the gospel, a mind to process what you're hearing. Yeah. You have a heart, you have a will. The problem is is not that you the problem is, is not that you can't come, right? That's not it. It's yeah. that you won't come. Right. And that's that gets to the heart of the issue. Yeah, uh, Moses writing in Deuteronomy chapter thirty about the law, <laughs> which is is, um, you know, it's impossible to keep the law, right? 
completely completely obey it. But he says, this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Mm -hmm. He's even saying about the law. There's, There's nothing... There's nothing about the law that is so impossible that you can't do it. Do it. Yeah. And and Paul Paul quotes this in Romans chapter 10 and applies it to the gospel. And he says, Christ has already done it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you don't have to say who will go up to heaven. Christ has already gone. You don't have to say who will go to the depths of the earth. Christ has already done it. So believe. Mm-hmm. Believe in the gospel. Um, there's, there's nothing that is preventing you from doing it except right. your own your own will, your yeah. your unbelief, you won't come. Yeah, and so the accusation that's often presented is it's not a well-meant offer. Right. That's usually what it's meant. Mm-hmm. God gives the offer, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really mean it. Yeah. And so one time I was in a systematic theology 2 class, and of course I was like the only Calvinist in there at that time because the uh, Midwestern was not like it is now. Yeah. Had a great professor, really love him, it influenced, influenced my life, good in a lot of ways. Um. But he'd we'd always he'd always challenge me because he wasn't he didn't was a Calvinist uh-huh. didn't believe what I believe and this is one thing he brought up and he was kind of hammering it down and he said God um, doesn't mean for people to actually come in your view like you have God telling people to do something that He doesn't actually want them to do knowing that they can never do it <laughs> and I and I said yeah um, I said. The only thing you need to know is if God means for you to do something is that he tells you to do it. <laughs> right. Right? And I said, and so I just asked the question, do you think God wishes, and I use the term wish on purpose, as we'll see, <laughs> see, do you think God wishes that we would obey the Ten Commandments and not sin? Yeah. He said, yes. I said, can we? <laughs> and he said, no. Right. I said, so the, the command to obey the gospel is the same. Mm-hmm. He really means that everyone would repent and believe the gospel. Yeah. The problem is not with him, it's with us. Right. Yeah, Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, it says that Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That's that's election, mm-hmm. right? But he keeps going. Mm-hmm. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah. <laughs> it is a well Mean meant offer it. It is a free offer. Come to me, right. all of you who are are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. But the only people who are going to come are those who God graciously opens their eyes to to see the the glories of Christ. What's very interesting to me in John chapter six is when Jesus. It may be his most heavy teaching on um, election and predestination and regeneration through the Spirit in any place other than maybe John ten. Um, where he says, "All that the Father gives me will come to me." Yeah. So there's election. There's election. Right. The Father has a people; He'll give to me. Whoever He gives to me will come to me. I'll never cast them out. I'll raise them up on the last day. He'll go on to say, "He lose. He'll lose nothing that the Father has given him." Mm-hmm. His teaching on that comes after a well-meant offer is rejected. Right. He's 
he's there offering, I am the bread of life. Mm-hmm. He tells to the crowd of thousands, whoever comes to me shall not, shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Then he says, but I say to you, you've seen me and you won't believe. <laughs> right. So here's the question. Yeah. They saw Jesus in the flesh, heard the open invitations, and they won't believe. How does any preacher in America think he's better than Jesus and can convince anyone of this? Yeah. But then right after that, he says, you see me, you won't believe. He goes on to tell them mm-hmm. why they don't believe. Right. And they don't believe because they haven't been given to him by the Father. Right. So, Yeah, so we have to, we have to uh, I think, understand verse 9 um, as God desires that all would be saved, that none would perish. Um, but how do we how do we square that with election? Yeah. So I think that we have to understand that there are uh, two wills of God. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a revealed will. Mm-hmm. He desires all to come to repentance, but there's a secret will in which only those whom are elect will come. Mm-hmm. And this isn't you know something that's made up by theologians. Right. I, the Bible, I think, clearly teaches this. Um, the best place is Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is why I like to call it the secret and revealed will. I prefer mm-hmm. those terms. There's there's other other wills uh, or other ways that, that these are described. I like secret and revealed because of Deuteronomy 29, 29. Uh, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. So he has he has secret things, right? They, and he, he doesn't have to reveal those to Israel. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And you can go back to Deuteronomy 29 and read everything that he's talking about, how God has shown them all of these things, and yet they still don't, they still don't believe because God hasn't given them mm-hmm. a heart to understand. Right. Um, and then he says it's because God has secret, he has a secret will, and he has a revealed will. The revealed will is the law. Right. Do it. The secret will is God only regenerates the elect. Right. Um, and and I, I think you can see that throughout Scripture, that uh, that God has two wills, mm-hmm. uh, a, a revealed will. The revealed will is that none would perish, so and, come to Christ. And the secret will is election. And this is why they're not in conflict with each other. I right. think it's important. People think that these wills are in conflict with each other. Right. I don't. I don't think so. No. Um, his revealed will reveals, you know, what his heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have to ask this question. This is tied up to it. What is the purpose of the universe? Well, if God's purpose for the universe were to be to save everybody, and that was his main plan, then everybody would be saved. Right. But that's not the purpose of the universe. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the universe is for God to be revealed fully in all of his attributes and all of his glory. Mm-hmm. And for God to be revealed this way, I believe, is not possible apart from the incarnation the death on the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ conquering over death. Mm-hmm. So the death, burial, and resurrection is necessary to reveal God to his creatures right. fully, mm-hmm. fully. You would never know God as a redeemer, as a savior, um, unless that happens. Right. And that's God's goal for the universe. Mm-hmm. And this is the this was the thesis of my entire uh, biblical theology of suffering and evil. Right. That the purpose of the universe is not to give humans free will. Right. And to hope that everyone will will choose him. Yeah. 
the purpose is for God to reveal himself fully. Because that's, that's the greatest gift he can give to any 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 creature. Right. Um, and that and this is a very complicated argument that that intersects with a lot of things. But for Christ to die on a cross necessitates that there is a fall and that men uh, fall into sin. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I I didn't read uh, Tom Schreiner's quote to go along with this. He says, "Better to live with the tension and mystery of the text than to swallow it up in a philosophical system that pretends to understand all of God's ways. God's patience and His love are not illusions, but neither do they remove His sovereignty." Mm-hmm. Right. We don't. We don't have to solve all the all the mysteries of the text. Right. We simply need to believe it mm-hmm. that God's love and His patience they're real. Right. He, he really has genuine love for His fallen creatures, mm-hmm. um, but he's also sovereign, and he's got a purpose uh, to glorify himself through Christ. Right. Um, and Christ Christ is um, put forward as a crucified Savior for all who would believe, Yeah, but he dies for his people. And his, and his death is sufficient to save everyone. <laughs> right. If every person on the planet would believe Christ's sacrifice is sufficient for that, right. that's not what limited means in the limited atonement. Right. Um, it's his 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 so I prefer work, definite. Definite is better. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's important for people to know Calvinists. I don't understand these that can look at somebody and they don't know whether they can tell them God loves them or not. I just don't get it. <laughs> right. Like if you're sitting down with somebody and you share them the gospel, how do you know God loves them? Well, they're alive, right? And you're bringing them the gospel. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you are there, that God has arranged both of your lives in such a way. That this person would hear the gospel would come out of your mouth into their ear is a demonstration of God's uh, love for that person. Right. Yeah. And that's the that's the the point of this verse. I mean, we we spent a long time explaining what it means because there's a lot of misunderstandings. But this is a really practical verse mm-hmm. because Peter is telling them they're they're they've got these false teachers that are saying, "Look, it's been a long time. Christ hasn't come. Um, we don't believe that he's coming." And Peter's telling them, God is, God's not being slow. Christ hasn't come back because God's being patient. And he's being patient with the world so that they'll repent. Yeah. Um, and so practically speaking, that means that um, if you're listening and you've never trusted in Christ, um, God is being patient with you. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Christ hasn't come yet. He's being patient with you. So come to Christ. Don't don't um, don't take this patience and be like these scoffers who say, "Well, Jesus hasn't come back. It's been a long time, so right. we're just going to live however we want." Repent. That's what yeah. that's what God's patience is supposed to do. It's supposed to lead us to repentance. Um, and if you're a Christian listening to this, that means that God is being patient with the world. We need to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to go and and share the gospel with people because God's patience is not going to last forever. As yeah, verse ten right. says, "The day of the Lord will come." Yeah, um, and so we need to be using our time wisely. Use your time wisely. It's very good. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. We talked about a lot of stuff today, yeah. intersecting with this, but hopefully, it's beneficial to you. Um, it's our hope and it's our desire uh, that this helps you to be more and more conformed to Christ. If it is a blessing to you, please like, subscribe, share it, share it with your friends, and maybe that will even open up opportunity for you to share the gospel with your friends if they have never heard the gospel. So thanks for tuning in to this Text Driven Tuesday. Hopefully it helped you to become conformed to Christ.